Welcome to Always Andersonville, the podcast. I'm Laura. And I'm Joelle. Today, we are joined by Sarah Gorbanian, owner of RE Chiropractic and Wellness, located at 5347 North Clark. In a recent article by Bossy Chicago, they called the space a wellness hangout. If you are looking to get well and hang out in a cool office with a badass chiropractor, just look for the teeny bikini blue door next to Big Jones. Welcome, Sarah. Thank you for joining us. How are you today? I'm great. Thanks for having me. Well, we're so glad you're here. And in your honor, we are going to try something different today and start with a lightning question round. Are you ready? Okay. Try not to overthink this too much. Okay, let's do it. Okay, here we go. Bowie or Prince? Prince. Axe throwing or shuffleboard? Shuffleboard. Always early or always late? Always early. Rachel or Monica? Rachel. Africa version, Toto or Weezer? Pass. <laughs> Beyonce or Rihanna? Beyonce. Titanic or The Bodyguard? The Bodyguard. Last $5, would you buy a burger or a lottery ticket? Burger. What is your favorite ice cream flavor? Horchata. Baby monkey or baby pig? Baby monkey. Favorite lipstick shade? Bird's bees. What do you Bird's get? Bird's chapstick. Wait, yeah, I my it, favorite yeah. too. Okay. Like the yeah. pomegranate. <laughs> what do you get on your pizza? Cheese. Halloween or Fourth of July? Fourth of July. Tea or coffee? Tea. What's your superpower? Being able to guess a person's bra size. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> Can you guess mine? Are we recording this? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We'll leave um, that to everyone's imagination. Yeah. <laughs> so on that note, <laughs> um, thank you so much. That was a lot of fun. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? What is your background? And did you always want to be a chiropractor? I definitely didn't always want to be a chiropractor. I actually didn't really know anything about it. Um, I went to school at UIC here in Chicago, University of Illinois, Chicago, and thought I was going to go to medical school. So I majored in biology and... Around the third year, you take the MCAT, and I took it, and I, I didn't blow anybody's socks off, but I probably could have used that to get into med school if I really wanted to, but I just did not want to go. I just didn't feel excited about it, but I didn't know what else to do, so um, I researched some other options, and I'd had a positive experience with chiropractic in my life, but never thought about making a living doing that, but the more I thought about it, the more um, the reason medical school didn't seem like a path that I wanted to take was because it's just not how I was living my life at the time. So I took a hard left, as I like to say, I went to chiropractic school and have really never looked back since. Uh, I didn't go to school right away. I had been accepted, but then I graduated and I deferred my enrollment for a year and I worked. I worked for a company called Hamaker Schlemmer, which if you sure. remember, I remember that yeah, in the Sky Mall, yep. for sure. So they were located at Franklin and Erie at the time. They had a store on Michigan Avenue. They were like a big deal. Um, and I worked in their corporate office, like first in sort of an inventory, like very admin kind of level. Um, and then in the buying department as like an assistant buyer kind of thing. After probably 11.5 months of that, um, it was time to make a decision of, do I go to chiropractic school or do I stay in this kind of retail industry? And the image buyer at the time, the image buyer was the one that bought all those big, uh, front, uh, front of the catalog. Uh, items so like the London taxi cab and kind of mm -hmm. the weird things that put Hamaker Schlemmer on the map 
um, she was going to be moving on to a different position. So I had to decide, like, am I going to go for this or is this not the place for me? And it was a good one year run. Corporate America was definitely not the place for me. So it was a good eye opening experience. I thought it was going to be like Rosie the Robot you know, brought us coffee every day. And this place was going to just be so innovative. It was just like any other office with deadlines and stresses and hierarchy. And I decided to go to chiropractic school. And so that's how I got here. I guess there was a lot in between. Um, After I graduated, I'd been working in restaurants for many years, probably about 10 years, starting in college and even until after I graduated chiropractic school. So my first Uh, So right away out of school, I bought a tiny practice from someone um, who had a practice in the West suburbs and then just like two days a week in the North suburbs. So I bought the North suburbs practice. I grew that practice and two years later I sold it. During that time I was also working in restaurants and I was um, doing maternity coverage for other chiropractors too. So I was really working eight days a week and just really tired. Mm -hmm. Um, But I sold that practice for small profit. And in 2007, now I'd be at the time, I um, joined up joined another group and in 2008 opened an office with them and in 2009 bought a portion of that practice so then I was a partner to them. I grew that practice and around 2013 I just didn't feel like I needed to be in business with them anymore. It wasn't fun anymore. I didn't want to go to the suburbs anymore and at that point over the years I'd had so many neighbors and friends um, say, you know, I've been thinking about seeing a chiropractor. Where's your office? I would totally come and see you. Oh, it's in the suburbs. Okay, well, I don't have a car. That's a little far. Who who do you know that I could see in the city? And then they would really go and they would be like, oh, Dr. Rick is so great. I'm so happy there. Dr. Chris is so nice. Thanks for the referral. And after several (laughs) years of that, I was like, okay, well, I think it's time to take all these people and see if I can do this thing on my own. And I wanted to ride my bike to work and just kind of support my community as well. So in 2014, I sold back my shares of that practice and started this office in Andersonville. It's a great story. Thank you for sharing that. So why did you choose Andersonville as the location for your business? Mm -hmm. There really wasn't any other option. I didn't really look anywhere else. It's not like I looked from Logan Square to Pilsen to Avondale and Jefferson Park and maybe Evanston. I lived here. I've lived here most of my life. Um, I'd had a condo here since 2005. I was driving from Andersonville to Des Plaines. All of my friends were here. All of my neighbors were here. All the people that were support wanted to support me were already here. Where else would I look? I looked for a very brief moment, uh, like in Pilsen. I thought there was a great community there and definitely a need, but I didn't know anybody there. So who was even going to show up to support that? So I started looking for space in Andersonville and things fell into place very quickly. That's so cool because I feel like we do talk to a lot of business owners who are residents as well, but often I feel like their story is they had the business here first and then they moved here and became a resident. But there's been both. So that's cool to hear. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And um, do you have any like famous restaurants that you worked for? Tag Mac revealed that he worked for Big Boy on the podcast. (laughs) I didn't know that. I missed that episode. Um, I worked for a restaurant called Nine. It was a steak bar, steak house downtown and had a ghost bar like lounge up above. I worked for the stained glass in Evanston, which was like 32 wines by the glass on a Cuvenet. Like before anybody was really doing that, um, they were really doing that really well. Um, I worked for a restaurant in Bucktown called Meritage. Um, Yeah, just a few places around. I worked in Greektown. That was the first job that I had when I was at UIC. I'm pretty sure they hired me because they thought I was Greek. (laughs) And so all of the pre-shift meetings were in Greek about like the specials and what wines we had and all this stuff. And I didn't know what was going on. Um, And so I think 
They hired me even before I was 21. And at that time, women could only work on the roof. You could only work on the roof in the summer serving cocktails and appetizers. Only men were allowed to work down in the main uh, wow. restaurant. Hmm. So your office is beautiful. Can you, you tell us a little bit about the facility itself and your practice? What does the space say about you and what's different about your location compared to other chiropractic offices? The space is very special. Anybody who walks into it just knows it's a really unique space. It's an old three-bedroom apartment, and it's zoned for business. There were businesses there before me. Mighty Bites was one of them. Um, Art and Soul was another one. Those businesses still exist. They grew out of the space and are still in the neighborhood or in Ravenswood. Um, I had looked at other like proper office spaces that were dark and dingy and just a couple walls and offices and barely any light. And when I walked into this one, I just really felt like it was home. And I wanted people to feel that way when they walked in too. So it has skylights and a proper kitchen and we make tea and sit and have water and there's fruit out or like treats. People just feel really comfortable like popping in with their dog if they want to or stopping by with their partner just so they can meet us. And um, we, when I did the decorating of it, which I had help with, but a lot of the furniture's from my own house just because it's an easy way to fill it up and because it's an apartment, it definitely just fit the aesthetic. Um, and we picked colors that just were really soft and really welcoming. And so it's really like your fr- your friend's like very cool apartment. Very much so. I'm in love with the lighting pictures. Oh, thank you. That's for sure. And the art. And, mm-hmm. and your uncle actually did the piece that's in your office, correct? Yeah, actually, a lot of the pieces throughout the space are from my uncle, mostly just because I, we I had a lot of them in my house or uh, they've always been around, whether they were in the basement, you know, or in the garage or a piece that I would see tucked into something at his house and be like, Hey, can I see that? And he'd be like, it's got mold on the corner from water damage. Like, what do you want to see that for? And I'm like, I like it. Can I have it? Or a piece he did on butcher paper or something like that. And I frame it. Um, the piece that's in our reception area is a, it's a, just a piece on butcher paper, but it's a brown elephant frame that I found a really thick, heavy gold Mm -hmm. frame. It didn't even have a back and it didn't even have glass, but I just bought that and framed it. And uh, it's a really a standout piece. So can you tell us about all the services you offer? Why is chiropractic care important to overall well-being? I offer chiropractic care, so chiropractic adjustments. I also rent space to massage therapists and acupuncturists. I also do personally um, do x-rays sometimes in the office. We have a digital x-ray machine if we feel that that's warranted. For some people, I have them do postural exercises or maybe some stretches. So everybody's got really a customized care plan. Um, I rent space to other practitioners and modalities. Some chiropractors perform those themselves or employ people that do them. I really wanted to have a facility that housed multiple businesses and they could operate under their own Um, brand and really grow and sort of be an incubator for them. So I say that we offer those things, even though those are individual businesses, but we do share a lot of people, which people seem to really like. I think chiropractic care is really important. As people are turning away from the medical model, they really don't know exactly what their options are. They're kind of overwhelmed with the information that's on the internet. They know that maybe they don't want to keep taking a pill for neck pain or back pain or headaches, but they don't know what this chiropractic thing is. So when they come in, we really talk a lot about like lifestyle and um, 
your habits, the things that are contributing to how you got here. Because even someone who may have referred you in that also had neck pain or back pain may have a different situation, how they got there and how their treatment is going. So it's really a a very holistic approach to you and your life and the things that you can modify so that you can have the best health for the longest amount of time. So for some, there is a fear surrounding seeing a chiropractor. How do we alleviate some of that fear? Um, So the adjustment is actually a really gentle force applied to the body and allows the body to heal from the inside. You have to remove that interference so the brain can connect with the nerves and connect to the body. So even if you don't hear that noise, and there are a lot of um, chiropractic uh, modalities or adjustments or techniques that don't make so much popping or cracking noise and are still effective. I know you guys had also had some questions or um, saw on my website about adjusting young people or babies. And that's another example of like an adjustment is more like tapping to just really encourage the bones to be in better alignment and just sort of resetting things um, without hearing like a really aggressive noise. Mm -hmm. So yes, as you just mentioned, you do do adjustments for children. And on your website, you say studies on chiropractic patients under the age of 12 show less sick days from school, less ear infections and lower incidences of asthma and allergies. Um, Why is that? What do you think is going on? The adjustment affects the nervous system, which is the brain and spinal cord. And in children under 12, really under 18, the nervous system is still developing. So that's why, you know, when we were kids, we kind of rubbed ourselves around in the dirt and that built our immune system. And so you can have maybe less allergies or less sensitivities to things if you'd been exposed to uh, more toxins or pollutants in your life, is a thought. So it's more effective for a kid to get adjusted because it's taking that pressure off their nervous system as they're developing. So they find that kids get less sick less often, and when they do get sick, the symptoms are less severe and the duration of it shorter. Also adjusting the neck, again, very gently, because the tubes in the ears are still forming and developing. It can just help with any like drainage issues. You know, kids go swimming and then it doesn't drain, things like that, and then can cause ear infections. So getting adjusted can just help with the drainage and just help everything start to fall into alignment from top to bottom. Sure. So like, I know I, my kids fortunately have never had ear infections. Um, but I know a lot of parents out there kind of struggle with their kids having yeah. uh, ear infections over and over and over again. So before you go into like the next step of, you know, getting tubes and stuff placed in your ears, like maybe chiropractic care is the way to go. Exactly. It's something it's worth a conversation for sure. You mentioned in the bossy Chicago piece that sleeping on your stomach is bad. Why is that? And what happens if you can't help rolling over? I think this question has a particular interest to one of you as well, which is why it's on the list. (laughs) Uh, But sleeping on the stomach is not great for the spine. It's really stressful to the spine. You wouldn't work on your computer looking sideways for several hours and several days and then wonder why at the end of the week why your neck feels kind of stiff. But that's what we're doing when we're sleeping on our stomach. I know it's a very hard habit to break. All my patients are like, I've tried. I don't know what to do. Should I do something with pillows? Like, what would you recommend? We have to get to the root of like why it's something that you're doing. For some people, it's an anxiety thing. So if that's the case, if that pressure against the chest feels really comforting and really good, they sometimes have success with retraining themselves to fall asleep in a different position by using either a weighted blanket or a pillow against their chest or something between their knees. If it's more a factor of like maybe you don't have enough pillow that you're laying on. So when you're laying on your side, maybe you need a second pillow there. Maybe you're actually twisting and turning or bringing your arm underneath that pillow to bring the pillow to you. So sometimes sometimes you got to stack yourself in a, a little bit of a different way. And I know that people still end up flipping over on their stomach. I'm looking for more like progress than perfection. If we can have you spend less time on your stomach, then you'll end up holding your adjustments a little bit longer and feeling better overall. 
and not to maybe do any like branding of something, you know, marketing for a pillow company. Do you have recommendations on pillows for folks? I know that's like an issue where you just can't get the right kind of pillow. Yeah, I don't have a magic pillow. It really depends how someone sleeps. Mm -hmm. There is a pillow that I used to sell in the office, but now I just kind of refer people to Amazon to buy it. And it has um, like the ridge in it. But that's really only great if you sleep on your back because that bump is really supportive of the curve that's supposed to be in the spine while your head is cradled in the center. I like that pillow because then it also has the puffiness on the sides, so that way when you roll to your side, your head is still supported in line with the rest of your body. Andy, our sound engineer here, has, has that, that pillow. pillow. I was just gonna ask, is there an ideal position for sleeping? We really want just, you to just keep your head in line with the rest of your body. So back or side is totally fine. If you're on your back, we don't want your head to be out too far in front of your body. And if you're on your side, you wanna make sure you have enough pillow to kind of keep your head in line with the rest of your body. Good to know. So Sarah, you were recently nominated for a Chicago Innovation Award. Can you tell us a little bit more about that nomination and what it meant to you? It's a really special thing to have been nominated for the last three years. And it came after I was a judge's pick in Crane's coolest offices in Chicago. And that was in 2015. Um, also to be nominated and to be in healthcare, just like with Crane's, I think is really special. So it's just people in Chicago that are creating jobs or doing things a different way, whether it's big companies and multi-million dollar companies and tech or smaller companies that are creating um, a product. Um, so I was nominated just by doing something a little bit more innovative in, in healthcare, which some of the things that I'm doing are so small, you wouldn't think that they're so innovative, but using a lot of technology to communicate with patients so people can fill out intake ahead of time, um, using a texting system for appointments and communication, um, using software that allows you to send customized text and email reminders, which people really appreciate, um, being able to edit that for things like parking or holiday closure, just like special things like that, customizing everybody's plan, um, making a space that doesn't look like a traditional doctor's office where people get that kind of white coat syndrome and it's very sterile and it's not very welcoming and how long am I going to be here and it's, is it going to run on time and, you know, is it going to get me to where I want to go with my health? Can I get an appointment this week? Like all of those things, we just kind of, we made, I made it in an office that I would want to go to myself. My time is really important. Money is really important. Um, what's my problem and can you help me? And, and is this the place for me? So we try to answer all those questions from the get. And our website is really the beginning of that experience. So putting the time and the money into that, I think a lot of chiropractors are just, this is not down on the profession, but I think this happens in every profession where they're really just copying off of each other using some of the same templates and the same buying from the same places and using the same ideas. And if it's working for one, I get that. Then why wouldn't it work for the rest of us? But I think there's sometimes a better way to do things. So I started pulling from other businesses that were having success and creating an experience or creating a brand that I really liked or felt fanatical about or really went out of my way to use or promote um, in my own life and why can't a chiropractic office or why can't healthcare be in that same category so that's really what I created with that and that's why we were nominated for an innovation award yeah I can certainly you know as a patient of Sarah's I can uh, certainly attest to the ease of scheduling and those text reminders are just wholly important where you're just like going through your text messages and even if you like missed it the first time you're like oh what's this and you're like ah yes I remember right. so um, yeah I mean nowadays with all of the appointments I have to schedule for myself and my kids it's it's I'm so grateful that you make it so easy thank you for saying that I really appreciate it so Sarah we understand Brett Whitaker 
recently featured in Voyage Chicago, just finished painting a vibrant mural on the side of your building. Can you tell us more about working with Brett and how you made the decision to beautify the cityscape in this way? Was it hard to choose the design? I had been paying a lot of attention to facades and signage and Big Jones had just redone the front with beautiful like wooden door and new windows and I just started paying attention more to how the businesses in Andersonville take a lot of pride in how they present themselves at the street level. You know, La Colombe has like gold lettering and um, even Candiality with their mural on the side. And um, Big Jones has been there 10 years, but they were still like, you know, let's freshen things up. Like, let's redo our signage. It made me more, think more about how I present myself on the street. You know, I just have this little blue door and wh- how else can I contribute and be noticed, you know, also, is this enough? Am I doing enough? Um, and how can I add to uh, what people are seeing when they walk by, when they walk down our neighborhood streets? Hamburger Mary's had just put up a beautiful mural. Um, a friend of mine that owns a Cuban deli in West Town called Nini's Deli, they had just put up a really beautiful mural. And it made me think more about like murals. And then I started saw that on the neighborhood guide on the map, the chamber did a great job of like highlighting all the public art and all the murals that we have. And I thought that was just like so special to see that because it is one of the things that makes our neighborhood special. Not every neighborhood can say that. And there were some on there that I hadn't seen or seen in a while. And so I really enjoyed that. So from talking to um, the guys that helped me with social media, talking about that a little bit more, like, do you guys think I should get a blade sign or a banner sign? I mean, I don't know. Where do I even get one of those? You know, it just wasn't something I guess I was very excited about. So I kind of put it off and we were sitting at the patio replay and he kind of pointed up and was like, well, you got a wall. You could totally do a mural up there. And I was like, oh man, could I? Is that a thing I could do? Okay, well, why not? Um, And I think we actually had been looking at Big Jones sign and noticed that I had a space for a sign up above, but next to where the sign would go was really a beautiful wall that we could paint something. From there... I was just looking on Instagram and had seen Brett pop up and he had just done a mural on the side of a barn in Nashville. And I'd been following Brett because he had done the front windows of my friend Chris Murphy's shop called District. He painted the window. He painted a a trim on the window so it looks like you're looking into the frame of a picture. Sure, cool. I didn't know that. Yeah, Yeah, so it was Brett that did that. Uh And so he showed up and he did this mural and here he is standing in front of it and I just slid a photo of a wall into his direct messages and was just like, what do you think of this wall? Could you put that mural on this wall? What does that look like time-wise and financially? And let's talk more. So it really wasn't like, it wasn't hard to pick the mural. Like the mural just found me once I was like, oh, a mural. I love it. Let's do that. Um, And I didn't want it to necessarily be something that was like branded or associated with my business other than it's it's outside of my business and my business did fund it along with um, the Andersonville special services area, the SSA 22, mm-hmm. had just started a fund, I, I found out later, was just starting a fund for public art. So they were able to contribute to it as well. So that's how it really ended up coming to be. It was just my way of contributing to these little pockets that are already in existence. And, and it was seemed more fun than putting up like a banner sign or a blade sign. And the mural just wrapped today. Like an hour ago. Yeah, yeah, we saw that on your Instagram. So I was like, we have to go get a picture of it when we're done. Um, but yeah, we're really excited to be able to include that in next year's guide. And oh, great. it looks so cool on all the progress It's very photos. positive and it's very whimsical and it's very colorful. And he, he was like, I'm going to call it up and up because it sort of has a mm-hmm. uh, arrow in the middle of it. And I was like, I love it. It's great. Yeah, it's just a, a good visual marker. And, and it does remind people to just look up and mm-hmm. just look up. 
So on the walls of your bathroom and the office space, um, they are painted in chalkboard paint. Do you have a favorite or most interesting quote that you can share that's been left on your bathroom wall? Well, funny enough, only one of the walls is chalkboard paint, Mm. the black wall. Um, That's what chalkboard paint looks like. (laughs) However, it's gotten pretty full. And so people have taken to writing on all the other walls. So I've just kind (laughs) of let it go, even though those are just regular old bare paint. Um, But I... I'm always surprised to see something new. Like, huh, I I haven't seen this in two days. Like, I wonder who put this. And then I try to think of who was the last one to use our bathroom and who could have contributed to it. Um, A lot of them are just like positive sayings or some of them are political and some of them are like pictures of cats. But I think the the saying that I like the most right now, somebody put a RuPaul quote and it says, what other people think of me is none of my business. That's a good one. Yeah, Yeah, that's a really good one. What does feminism mean to you? And was there a personal experience that drew you to feminism? When feminism was coming into um, politics and and just seeing it more in social media in the last couple of years, I didn't really know exactly what the word meant. Like, I didn't know if I was defining it correctly, I guess. So I looked it up in, in Wikipedia, you know, to find it as equal rights and equal everything for women and men in education in the home and I was like who doesn't get behind something like this I just we have to identify ourselves as a movement this just seems like a basic human right so I think for me um feminism what I'm defining as feminism right now is not just like asking to be equal and asking for equal pay and asking or demanding but more like taking it so I think if we really want things to change, we have to become the people in charge to make the changes and make the decisions. And so when we're think, when I'm thinking more about like people who identify as female, like being in charge and getting that same right of anything, owning a home or the right to vote, much less being a CEO, not a CEO or any of these like cutesy words, but like a real like boss, like that can be big or small, but it's you being in control and it's you being the one to make these decisions for yourself and for the others sort of helping each other along the way. So really being the rainmaker instead of having to ask people for this basic right. And, you know, along the lines of that, what advice do you have for a future entrepreneur, particularly a female identified entrepreneur? This is a tough one because everything I want to say just sounds like a bumper sticker. sounds so stereotypical. Like you have to believe in yourself. Like I know that you could do it. I think right now my biggest thing is like, if you don't want to make goals, you don't have to make goals. Like they're just something that you made up. So if that doesn't feel good to you, don't bother. Really, you have to use like joy as your guide in whether or not this is the right path for you. And and you can't take advice from everyone around you because they haven't done it. So you really can only take advice from a few people and you know whether this is the right path for you to go down, no matter what anybody is telling you. And if you're not getting the answer, if you're not getting support from someone, you're just hanging out with the wrong people. You need to really look at who you're hanging around with and seeing if they're going to be there to push you forward or if they really are just kind of comfortable with what's going on and they think that you should be too. So Sarah, we've come to the point in the episode where we like to ask you if you were able to switch places with any of the other Andersonville businesses for one day, who would you pick? I love this part of all your episodes. Actually, it's like really fun to hear what people say. I could narrow it down to just one, but that's I did, okay. A couple I did are do fine. A top mm-hmm. three, yeah. So number three would be the brothers over at Taste of Lebanon, Ali and Amin. Like those guys just run such a great business, and um, you know the food is so great. 
and how great is it to see the same like 80% of the same people every single day you know people just keep coming back generations keep coming back the second one would definitely be Joel the guy who's like the daytime manager server at um, Little Bad Wolf just because everybody I just love going in there and whether I come in at 11 in the morning or 11 at night it's always like hug hug and how you doing and like have you seen so and so and like what are we having today and who's your friend oh you haven't been there hey do you want a drink no you got to work well that's too bad come back later like it's just always like I just love it I just love it Um, and the food is of course great but like Joel just makes it great and then number one I think would definitely be Michael Bransford at um you know Vincent he has got to be the hardest working guy in Andersonville. He's there when I walk by at seven in the morning. Sometimes he's there obviously late at night. He comes and goes with his dog, but he makes it look so easy and gracious and graceful. And people have been with him for so long. And I just, you know, to even talking about facades, like just seeing the globe lights lit up on, a, on the side street. I just think it's like such a special little place. And I just wonder Those what Those globe lights, like. man. Oh, they give me every time. I know. Every time. <laughs> They're so pretty. I we know. Were, yeah, we were saying now it looks, I think Seska's has them too or on their patio. Oh, the, and yeah. so it almost looks like maybe if you imagine them joining across, we could <laughs> finally battle. have the like trellis globe lights we've always wanted but well thank you so much sarah for being here and being um you know just just this like stronghold in the neighborhood and you know the love and support you have for andersonville just emanates um and we really appreciate that. So so thanks for being here today. Uh, and thank you all for listening to Always Andersonville, the podcast. For more information about RE Chiropractic and Wellness, please visit rechiropractic.com. Show notes on today's episode can be found at andersonville.org. Always Andersonville, the podcast, is engineered and edited by Andy Miles in Studio C at Transistor, a gallery, shop, performance, recording, and teaching space located at 5224 North Clark Street. Have your own podcast idea? The studio is available to rent. Please call 872-208-5877 or stop by the store for details. Okay, so for those of you that are still listening, um, I was kind of wanting to make this uh, interview light, I guess, and, and looked up a bunch of, you know, or at least tried to look up uh, some chiropractor jokes. And, and there aren't that many. Actually, there is a book that you can buy full of them, but like I didn't have that um, available to me. The budget at the chamber is not that, <laughs> not that big. <laughs> so here is the first joke. Did you hear the one about the psychiatric chiropractor? No. He specializes in attitude adjustments. <laughs> Can you add a bum bum in there? <laughs> okay, and here's the second one. <laughs> okay, how many chiropractors does it take to change a light bulb? How many, Laura? Just one chiropractor, but it takes 12 visits. <laughs> Actually not, because, I mean, for you, I mean, chiropractic care is a part of an ongoing wellness program, so. We're done. The light never (laughs) dims.